Hi, my name's Madalena Kay, and I'm the host of the podcast AI and You, produced by Europod in partnership with Podium Podcast, Agence France Press, and Cora Media. In AI and You, we deal with the history of AI and how it is having an impact on our lives. From social relationships to employment, from climate change to wars and security. Is AI changing our world for the better or the worse? Come and check it out for yourself. Subscribe to AI and You wherever you listen to podcasts. You're a bud. It teach me that you just can't sit back and do nothing, but that you have a voice and that you can use it and that it's powerful if you get people together in your statements and that you do not have to be run over by people who are in a higher position or think that they can do anything without telling people because we are the village. We need to know what's going on here. The Netherlands is one of the top data center markets in Europe hosting approximately 200 facilities. Some of these data centers are Google and Microsoft so-called hyperscale centers, which exceed 5,000 servers and 3,000 square kilometers in size. But the development of new projects has spurred debate and protest in the country, with local communities opposing the building of such data centers, denouncing their effect on the landscape and energy infrastructure. The concerns resulted in actions to limit data center buildings. In February, the Dutch government announced a nine-month block on permits for data centers larger than 10 hectares, while new stricter rules are worked out. The Minister of Housing and Spatial Planning cited a lack of space in the country and the quote-unquote disproportionate amount of renewable energy that hyperscale data centers require. And while the government is working on new regulations, local communities fight for their territories. Today, on Europe Talks Back, the resistance against data centers in the Netherlands. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We'll be right back. My name is Susan Schaap. I work as a uh, case manager for Arbor Service. That's my regular job. For 25 years, Susan Sharp has lived in Zivolde, a 22,000 population farming community, 50 kilometers east of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. And I have been living here with a lot of fun. I have two children also living here in this village with a lot of uh, fun as well, because this is a great place to live. But after what happened last year... It's a little different. I'm uh, 62 years old and uh, I fight for my rights. In 2021, the Zivolde City Council granted Meta, the company that owns Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp, a permit to build the largest data center in the country. The project was to build a hyperscale data center on 166 hectares of farmland. Despite the green light by the city council, the plan was controversial for several reasons. Above all, the people of Zeewolde were the last to know. 
For more than a year, Susan has been leading the opposition against the building of the data center with the Data Druck Zivolde Foundation, a community protest group. Eventually, they managed Meta to pause the project. This is Susan's account of how the story went. Well, it started even before 2019, and we weren't aware of the issue at all. But in December 2019, the alderman, Mr. Ariane de Jonge, who is responsible for the uh, data center uh, case, he gathered his people and he uh, told them that there was a big project coming up and he wanted to play the Champions League. That's his exact words. But nobody could know. We couldn't know. As villagers, we weren't told. This happened in kind of a secrecy. They couldn't talk about it. They couldn't mention anything about it until later. But nobody knew when that was going to be. Susan recalls that due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the population got some information about the project during an online meeting. She said that she and her fellow citizens felt like they were thrown in the deep. They had no idea of what it was going to be for the villagers or how this thing was going to look like. So they started to raise doubts about the project. For instance, we're going to put a data center here and there's a cooling process and to maintain the cooling process we need water. But chemicals were added to the water and then it will flow back into the canal. And we were thinking, wait a minute, this is a canal where fishermen have their community and they have their things. So we dug into the file and then all of a sudden it appears that we were talking about a hyperscale data center as big as 166 hectares, which is huge. But there are also four farmers located in that area. And they also had to be removed from the part of the land that now we know that it is Meta. We didn't know at the time that Meta wanted to have. But in the meantime, this alderman and the community have sold part of the land already, like half of it. So there were already deals closed and we weren't aware of it at all. So then we dug into it. What came out from Susan's research was that the data center would have had a huge impact on the village, despite the promises. It doesn't make sense at all to put a hyperscale up on fertile soil, for instance, but also the landscape, it didn't fit in the landscape at all. It was just too big for a little village like this. But next to, not only that, there were more issues, the water use, the energy use, the climate change, all those things were not mentioned in the report. The alderman who was responsible for this project said that it would be good for the region and for the village because it would give people jobs, like 410 people could find a job, plus the thousands of immigrants that were going to come here to set up the building and to set up the whole data center. But they are going to leave again. So there were only like 410 jobs available at the end. But we also know that a lot of people work in foreign countries. They're not even here. So 410 on a scale of 4,000, he just kept saying it's good for the region, it's good for the village, but we couldn't find any reason that it was good for the village. So Susan and her fellow citizens decided to take action. Then we got a chance to give a view as a villager, put it on paper and send it to the community. We got the idea of putting up a foundation, which is a data truck. And then you have a standing point of view. You can make your statement and they have to take you seriously. And with the foundation, other peoples like the LTO, the farmer department, the fishers here in our village, and of course, local people have put in their view. But they also wiped everything off the table because the thing is, and that was smart, 
we complained about the data center that was going to be here. But we could have stood more ground if we had complained about the change of the plans that they had for this piece of land. Because it was originally planned for small companies, offices, office buildings and stuff like that, but not for data centers. In April 2021, Susan and her partners changed strategy. They spoke during live-streamed council meetings, wrote pieces of complaints in the local paper and put up a Facebook page to share messages, information and mobilize people. Ironically enough, as she says, she used Facebook against Facebook. And you saw that slowly people started to wake up and think to themselves, maybe this is not a good idea. Maybe we don't want this at all. So we got more people in our corner. But again, as a local villager, you don't have much ground to stand on. You have to group together. Then we spoke during a commission meeting in the Provinciehuis here in uh, Lelystad, uh, which is a really important thing because all the deputies were there. We made a good point. People were, again, not aware of what was going on on a higher level, so they were very happy to hear from us. And then it just was like a snowball effect. It just got bigger and bigger. And then the elections came up this year, March. And we had put advertisements in the local paper not to vote for the parties that were in favor of the data center because of the water use, the fertile soil that we were giving up, a big piece of land, the energy use that the data center is going to use. So there were a lot of things that people got aware of. And eventually, the parties that were in favor were wiped out of the uh, elections. Meanwhile, the data center issue caught national attention in The Hague, with the government approving a nine-month moratorium on the building of new international hyperscale data centers. So that helped us. And now uh, Meta experienced so much opposal from the people that they plugged out. They say, we want to be a good neighbor and we can't be a good neighbor if there are so many people against this whole data center. And that is what was going to happen. We were going to uh, the higher court, uh, already applied for a case there with the foundation. A lot of other people did, but it, I don't think it's even going to be there. But now we have to find a solution to resolve this problem because they still only have half of the land and the other half will not be sold to them. So MENA has a problem. So now it's up to the new council to find a good solution without losing too much money. MENA has paused its plans. Susan and her foundation will continue the fight. But she says this story already taught her a lesson. It teaches me that you just can't sit back and do nothing, but that you have a voice and that you can use it and that it's powerful if you get people together in your statement and that you do not have to be run over by people who are in a higher position or think that they can do anything without telling people because we are the village. We need to know what's going on here. We'll be right back. Julia Ronet is a postdoctoral researcher at the Minderu Center for Democracy and Technology at the University of Cambridge in the United Kingdom. She works on the concept of digital sovereignty, trying to see how this concept relates to infrastructural projects, such as the construction of data centers. Through her research, she also tries to understand how big tech companies influence climate change. So this is me speaking to Julia Rone. Hi, Julia. It's great to have you with us on Europe Talks Back. Hello. Thank you for the invitation. Julia, we brought you in because you're an expert on data centers and more specifically also on the resistance against data centers in the Netherlands. 
it's one of your research topics recently. Let me start from a question which really lays down the basis for everyone. What are data centers? Well, data centers are usually buildings, any form of construction, basically, that hosts servers, computer storage and processing systems. And they can vary in size, but recently we have seen a rise in the construction of hyperscale data centers, which can be actually really huge, up to like one square kilometer in size, hosting thousands of servers. Um, so, yeah. Most simply, there are big buildings with a lot of servers that consume a lot of electricity. And there are all kinds of things that go around them sometimes, like diesel generators and stuff like this for backup. So why are people against them? Well, for a variety of reasons. Uh, first of all, not all people are against them. We see the politicization of data centers only in some countries across the world. I'm currently working on the Netherlands. And there, the reasons that people usually state are very Different. So we have on the one hand procedural reasons. Basically, people say that they have not been asked quite often about whether a data center should be built in their uh, municipality or not. So there is lack of transparency, lack of participation and lack of involvement, basically, of, of local people. So this is the procedural side. The substantial side, so what are people worried about and why they want to have a say, has several aspects. So first of all, people are worried about the high electricity consumption of data centers. You can imagine thousands of servers, they consume a lot of electricity. Some hyperscale data centers um, consume electricity that is equal to the electricity consumption of cities, whole cities, the size of Amsterdam, for example, not small ones. Uh, second, people are worried about water usage um, and water pollution. So these are two connected but different aspects. Water usage is basically um, connected to the fact that servers need to be cooled down. So water is used to bring the temperature down. And sometimes this conflicts with the needs of local farmers, for example, who would like to use the water for um, irrigation and stuff like this. That is not always the case, but there is always this fear that there might be a conflict arising around this. But there is also this aspect of water pollution because some of the chemicals used uh, in the water then go down uh, in the soil. And this is, again, quite troubling. And then apart from this, we have environmental concerns in terms of biodiversity. And we have, I think, a very simple but relevant concern that data centers, at least the way they're being built in the Netherlands, are simply ugly. They're huge buildings with very non-appealing architecture in the middle of big fields that are just ugly and noisy uh, to, to look at. So you mentioned it's going on this resistance in different countries in the world. But first of all, can we sketch who's behind these data centers? Who has interest in building them? I guess to a certain extent, we all should have in the sense that we live in a digital society and we are running this interview from remote. So I guess that somewhere a data center is helping us. So my first question is, who is behind them and to what extent can we be against them actually? Yeah, that's a very good question. We are all using data centers uh, at every point, especially with the pandemic. We saw a huge rise of um, e-commerce, uh, watching films from home, all these like streaming services such as Netflix, Amazon Prime, etc. We all work, uh, or at least a large part of us work or worked remotely. Uh, so all of us are benefiting from the, the rise of data centers, right? So they are very, very much connected to the rise of digital society. And the pandemic made this even more clear and um, more pronounced as a trend. 
Now, who is behind them? Who constructs these data centers? All kinds of companies, basically every company that uh, needs to manage uh, its business, from trucking companies to um, e-commerce, etc., are using data centers. The ones that I am studying more uh, specifically are hyperscale data centers built by the biggest companies in the world, which are non-coincidentally also the digital companies that we think of immediately when we talk about the internet. So Meta and his daughter company, Facebook, Alphabet, again, connected with Google, Amazon, AWS is actually one of the biggest players when it comes to data centers, Microsoft, etc. So all the big tech giants are currently competing in constructing huge data centers that basically secure the smooth running of their services. This is this is where the big game and this is where the competition takes place currently. But again, they are only the most prominent examples. Apart from this, many other companies build them. Can we be against them? I think we should be conscious about them. I'm not necessarily against all data centers and nor are the people I'm studying. Uh, on the contrary, quite often they want to have better data centers. Some of the activists that I interviewed in the Netherlands, for example, asked a very simple and I think relevant question why can't we have solar panels on top of the data center, right? So that we can generate additional energy if we have such a huge building. There are, of course, ideas of using the residual heat of data centers to warm up households, etc. So the question is, why can't we have better data centers, I think, on a fundamental level? And then another very important and pertinent question is, what kind of data we want to store? But this is, I think, an, an even deeper question about the economic model we have. So do we need to store all those photos of cats, our lunches, sexy friends on the beach, etc., forever, and consume so much electricity in a situation of basically environmental crisis? We see the consequences of global warming every day. So it's not being for or against data centers, it's what kind of data centers we want and for what kind of data. So a more conscious approach to data centers is what I think we need. So focusing on the Netherlands right now, which you analyzed in your research, what has been going on in the country over the past few years? Yeah, in the past few years, we have seen some remarkable uh, mobilization, bottom-up mobilization with regard to data centers. So I started by studying the municipality of Holland's Kroon, which is in um, the province of North Holland. And there, local activists mobilized against the construction of new additional data centers for all these reasons that I mentioned. This was a very contested issue. It started from the local council with some local councillors, for example, resigning. The very famous example is, of course, Lars Rauter, who is quite often interviewed and very important uh, in this resistance. Also, Jeff Lever from this the, the same municipality. More recently, we saw the resistance against a project for a data center, uh, Facebook, in the municipality of Zeevolde in Flevoland. And what happened there was basically that Facebook undercover negotiated with municipal executives. Uh, it's, I think it's a fascinating story. They called the whole thing Operation Tulip and they had this kind of a company that represented their interests without revealing their name called Polder Networks or something like this. I think that was the name. And Ultimately, the local councillors were uh, convinced, and so they voted, I think, 11-8 in favour of the, the whole thing. But there was so much bottom-up resistance that in the end, the issue reached the Senate. And there was this, I think, very wise decision to stop 
think and try to figure out a national plan of what to do with data centers. And this, I think, is very interesting because the Netherlands as a country has been very active in trying to attract foreign data centers. So it has been part of its investment strategy to do it. And yet we saw democratic resistance from below, politicization in in local media, national media, and the involvement of different political parties that are not always the same across provinces, right? So we see very interesting and strange bedfellows in different provinces that are trying to resist this. And I think this is absolutely fascinating. And we see similar processes in other parts of the world. So a colleague of mine, Sebastian Lewede, works on data centers in Chile, and he sees similar resistance there to a, to a Google data center that needs to be built. It's a movement that's starting now, but I think it's very promising and it's probably one of the most important movements, especially considering the importance of data, data usage, data processing, and its very negative impact on, on the climate. What makes the Netherlands so attractive for companies that want to build data centers and why is, let's say, Dutch politics so interested in having them? This is a good question because there are very different narratives around this. So if you listen to big companies, usually the narrative is that the climate is very suitable. There are a lot of data centers actually also in Sweden. So some of the most interesting research is, is being done there. There is a paper that I really recommend on energy gentrification by Liberts and Velkova and Palm. And they explore basically this whole movement of companies there. But in the Netherlands, the narrative is the climate is good. This is not necessarily the case, or it could be the case if we interpret climate in a broader sense, in the sense of legal climate. So there is a lot of political stability. There is a lot of certainty about what the future will bring. So there is not a danger for a political coup, for example, coup d'etat. There is also very good electricity provision. So they have a very stable electricity grid. And of course, there is renewable energy. Now, the interesting thing is that the Netherlands that we all associate with bikes and windmills, etc., is not very successful when it comes to implementing renewable energy. It's actually one of the laggards within the European Union. But this has started to change in recent years. And so what happens is that these big companies go there, they also invest in um, wind farms, and then they pair this investment with uh, the promise that they'll use the renewable energy produced for basically the data centers. The problem from the side of the locals is that when we see this bargain between um, big tech companies and let's say big, quite often foreign energy companies, local concerns, local needs, local demands are completely bypassed and neglected. So it's it seems a win-win situation a bit, but it's actually not if you look at it from the local level. Now, what, what the Dutch state gains from all this? This is a very good question, and I think it's a contested political question. According to the Liberal Party that has been in power for quite some time, building data centers allows countries to develop uh, businesses around them that benefit from the closeness to the data. So it's very good for financial transactions, for gaming industries, etc., etc. It was also supposed to develop regions that are underdeveloped. The fact is, however, if we look on the ground, that quite often these data centers do not open a lot of new jobs. It's only small construction jobs while you build the, the building hosting the servers, as we started with this definition. But they do not necessarily bring about these businesses that the state envisages. And their promise for developing regions that are backwards is maybe overstated. And I think this is what the Netherlands or like local communities in the Netherlands started realizing, that the promise and the hype have been a bit oversold. So you mentioned already that there's different countries 
across the globe where this is happening. Could you just sketch them for us? And is there any red thread that connects them in terms of characteristics? Yeah, absolutely. So my research is actually part of a broader uh, research project within uh, the Mindero Center for Technology and Democracy, where I work. And my colleague Hunter Vaughn, for example, does research uh, on resistance to data centers and subsea cables, actually, in Ireland. Now, we know that Ireland is a very key country within Europe in terms of digital technology and investment. And of course, there are a lot of data centers being built there. But what Hunter, my colleague, has found is that in remote regions where these kinds of very big projects are being conceived, etc., local people often remain energy poor. So there are these fantastic projects for renewable energy that will power data centers. But local people have to use coal and wood to, to warm up their houses. And of course, they are not very happy with this because it's it seems, again, as I mentioned, a bargain that's maybe working for big companies, potentially states, but really not for, for municipalities. Another colleague of mine, Jana Huang, she works in the US and she has explored the construction of the first Google data center in Dallas. And there she explores how local communities built community-owned, publicly-owned, actually. Um, there is an important difference. Publicly-owned internet service and network. And this was what attracted Google there because it was already built by the municipality. And yet we see very little returns for the local community of this, again, bargain and deal with the big company. Again, as I mentioned, uh, my colleague Sebastian Lewede in Chile, he does research on basically resistance of local indigenous people against the construction of data centers that quite often infringes local territories that have very different meaning for, for local people and engages in very extractive relations. Um, there is another colleague of ours, Patrick Brody, who again works on protests in Ireland. So showing again this kind of local resistance and attempt to define your landscape, your way of being. Um, so there is really a lot of uh, a lot of resistance going on. What is currently missing is, I would argue, transnational coordination. And so with all these people I mentioned and several others, we are currently trying to build a network to connect activists and find commonalities and also discuss what are the differences and similarities between resistance in the global north and the global south. Because there are very common trends, and yet I think the, the role of institutions varies a lot in different countries. And that matters as well. That's fascinating. Julia, thanks so much for sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you for inviting me. And yeah, let's see what will happen. It's, I think, a really interesting field that's just starting to draw attention. We'll be right back. You can check Julia Rone's work and writing on the website of the Minderu Center for Democracy and Technology at mctd.ac.uk and on Julia's personal blog and website julia.rone.eu that's j-u-l-i-a dot r-o-n-e dot e-u And this is it for this week's episode of Europe Talks Back. The producer of Europe Talks Back is Antoine Lheureux. Sound design is by Jeremy Bouquet. Editorial background research and arrangement of interviews by Claudio Torrisi. Script writing by Claudio Torrisi. Editing and mixing is by Jeremy Bouquet and Thomas Kusberg. Promotion and marketing by Katrin Skapetas. My name is Alexander Damiano Ricci. We'll be back next Thursday.